Welcome to Long Distance Listening, a music podcast. Hello and welcome to Long Distance Listening. I'm Andrew. And I'm Nate. Hey, welcome to our podcast, guys. It has been a while for us. We have not recorded a podcast in months. We recorded podcasts all last fall. And this year, we focused on editing them and releasing them. So, we haven't recorded a new podcast since our Valley Heart podcast. Actually, if you want a little behind the scenes, which we threw that one up a little faster. But that was actually our very newest episode. So, if you were like, man, they were so professional during the Valley Heart podcast, but they like got worse after. I promise you, we actually got better, but you just didn't <laughs> hear it. So, we are back recording and it's really good to be back. Mostly because Nate and I chose to just not talk to each other until we recorded again. Mm, so it's yes. good to talk with Nate, which means we got some stuff to talk about. Don't we, we do? We do. So one thing that I need to ask you about, because we haven't talked about it in our own personal friendship, is one of our favorite bands. And I'm saying our because Nate and I, as a, as a podcast couple, both really enjoy <laughs> this band. The band is Switchfoot. And we really enjoy Switchfoot. And they have come out with a new CD in the last little bit here, depending when you're listening to this podcast. So I'm now on this podcast throwing Nate into the spotlight to give you his take on Switchfoot. Now, Nate actually likes Switchfoot probably more than anyone else that I know. So, But Nate is a good fan of Switchfoot, which is he's brutally honest. So, Nate, what are your thoughts on their new album, Native Tongue? So... Andrew, you surprised me with this question. That being said, their last album before this new one is called Where the Light Shines Through. And I thought that that was their worst album to date. Well, now that they've released this new album, that is no longer the case. (laughs) Because this album is so much worse than Where the Light Shines Through. And actually, one thing I have to thank Native Tongue for which is the name of the new album, is that I actually like Where the Light Shines Through a lot more because of it. Because it's so bad, I actually wish they made another album like Where the Light Shines Through. So honestly, it saddens me to say, but I think Switchfoot's on the downside of their career. I think Fading West, which in my mind, which was potentially their best album, was their last good album. And I don't really have much hope that they'll release a complete, cohesive, strong record ever again. So it saddens me to say, but, you know, sometimes you just got to come to grips with reality. And that's what I'm trying to do. Wow. I didn't know what Nate's thoughts were. And I played this moment in my head like a bunch of times, like, because I knew it was going to surprise Nate next podcast we recorded. I was going to just be like, yo, you got to tell me your thoughts right on air. And like, we're not going to edit out Nate's thoughts. Like this is, those were his thoughts. But yeah, we won't get too much into, into my thoughts, except, uh, I kind of like the album a little bit. So, so that's going to be, okay. wait, can we, can we have a like brief argument right sure, now let's, though? Let's do it. Okay. So let me actually okay. defend it before you start just getting mad at me. Is that all okay. right? Let me give, well, I won't guarantee I'll, I'll stop getting mad at you, but you can go and sure, I won't say. Sure. No, I'm just saying like in the structure of this podcast before, yeah, not, I'm sure. not going to change your mind. I, 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 I know you well enough to know I'm not going to change your mind on this, but 
let me let me just give an argument for the album. Okay, go. The the one thing that I I agree, it is not a cohesive album, and that's one thing that that does hurt me. Their last cohesive album was Fading West, and where the light shines through, and now Native Tongue. They are more a compilation of songs, some stronger than others, and that's that's what happens in most albums, but especially when it's not a cohesive album. But Switchfoot, after they did take a hiatus here a little bit, um, that they were like done, but then they're like not done, and then they're kind of back, and everything after that, I think that they wrote some really cool songs, and... They're really different. In fact, I really like the song Native Tongue itself. I really like that one. I like a couple of songs on the album. They sound very different. They're songs that almost sound like 21 Pilots. They're songs that do sound like Switchfoot, but they definitely push themselves a lot more. They're not just comfortable with this is Switchfoot, this is what we've done. They've always evolved as a band. That's one thing that I think we both really like about them is that each album does sound different. While still, John Foreman's voice just kind of pulls it together in general. I think the lyrics are really good on the album. I think in general, the lyrics actually tie the album together a little bit more than the music. The music isn't as cohesive as I think the lyrics have a little bit of that to it. Yeah, I think it's good. I think it's not their best. And on the scale of Switchfoot, I understand it's not at the top. I don't know where I rank it. But that's my defense for it. So, Nate, uh, do you hate me now? No, but let me just point out that one of your one of your points that you made in your argument was there's a couple good songs on the album. <laughs> <laughs> like that was one of your stronger points that there's a couple good songs on the album. I, I'm so, trying not but- to oversell it. <laughs> here because i am a little afraid that maybe i missed the mark on this album and maybe it isn't a good album and maybe i'm not being as critical as i need to be but i like it okay real quick let me let me just share my more detailed thoughts and you know what most likely this won't make the podcast but it's an important conversation to have okay first the, the album cover not good the font is just terrible and they changed from you know how they had that switchfoot font that mm. was the same font for every single album from the beautiful letdown on through fading west mm-hmm. they've changed it the past two albums and both album covers have sucked and not strictly because of them changing the font my argument i guess is probably that they're making changes that like aren't beneficial for them and not that they should say the same because like you said they always do progress but okay getting to the actual music itself this is a 14 song album okay 14 song albums are way too much unless every single song is a banger and it is you're wrong (laughs) every song is a banger (laughs) or there's like really cool interludes and cool. So like a great example is love and war in the sea in between by, or the sea between, I forget by Josh Garrels, where that album is like something like 17 or 18 tracks, but it's just like beautifully put together. This is just mediocre song after mediocre song after mediocre song. And what he's found a way to do is So one thing I appreciate about John is every album, for the most part, is essentially the same album in the sense that the heart of his message and the words he is trying to convey rarely change. Sure, he might have a different spin on it, 
But at the end of the day, he's sharing the same message. The problem is, is that over the past two albums, he shared that message, in my opinion, in just a less captivating and less awe-inspiring way. I mean, songs like We're Gonna Be Alright, it's like, come on, John. Like, you've said the same idea in a lot better ways like i just think he's maybe exhausted these ideas too much potentially and can no longer think of a creative way to say them i don't know i'm just disappointed and sad and trying to come to terms with me feeling like they're gone the one thing i really appreciate about amberlynn is that they ended on high notes and i feel like switchfoot is kind of just like they're just like fading away they're they're they should have faded west and just stayed there and, and not come back. But that's like but the yeah. best review I think for like their last two albums is just someone posting that phrase. I can't After even. After they faded west, they should have never come back. They should have stayed. Yeah. Well, welcome back to long distance <laughs> listening. Man, it's good to be back. I like that we basically had a full-on argument right away. That's huge. We really want to argue more on the podcast here, I think. We also want to be more sarcastic than we were before, so just brace yourselves. Thanks so much to you as fans who've reached out with your feedback for the podcast. And as we've kind of been thinking about the podcast and just just where we want to go with the podcast, we really want to tighten up a couple sections here. So we are actually going to be taking out Chime In, unless it's more of an interview format. We think that's a better place for Chime In and it really gets us thinking more about the album, makes each episode much more about the album unless we're interviewing someone in that case we can add that segment back in we're also going to be reviewing albums a little differently at the end we're just going to tighten up that section so it's not as much repeating ourselves we want to challenge ourselves to be the best that we can as well with those sections so everything's going to be tightened up it's still going to have the same exact content it's just going to be much less rambling than what we've had before so make sure that you stay tuned if you have any more feedback please let us know everyone welcome to spammer jam this is a segment where we take a top 40 song and nate and i discuss whether it's spam it's just the worst thing ever or just like not good or it's a jam it's either just like better than normal songs on pop radio or it's actually something that we would kind of enjoy we'd roll down the windows in our car and we'd enjoy listening to maybe slight shame but that doesn't matter too much just just something that we jam to whether in private or public so we got three songs for you today and nate and i are going to tell you whether it's spam or whether it's a jam so Nate's going to start us out, and I'm going to tee him up with telling him what the song is. He already knows, and he's going to give you his thoughts on whether it's spam or jam. So the first song we have is by Nate's personal favorite, Ariana Grande. He is unfortunately not wearing an Ariana Grande t-shirt today like he was in a past episode. He's just got his Kylie Jenner shirt on today. <laughs> oh my um, gosh. <laughs> But you the song, I, I want to like, I feel like I want every episode to like point out a shirt that you're obviously not wearing. I don't know <laughs> if that's cool with you or not, but 
it's yeah. it's more funny if we consistently post like the recording pictures yeah, and, and you like, just like straight not. up lie. That's true. like that's true. Yeah. So the song by Ariana Grande that we're going to be talking about today is Seven Rings. So Nate, is it spam or is it a jam? <laughs> All I have to say is thank you Ariana next. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's um, so concise and it's so good. I appreciate that. Um, so I'm saying jam. Now, I don't want to say my thoughts are complicated. I think what really confirmed it was a jam was the last portion of the song where she just like mixed it up at the end and it was really cool and really interesting. I think I was thrown off the first time I heard the song simply because of the whole Julie Andrews sound of music. I don't even know what you call it because it's not a cover, but it's like the inspiration. But I think she did it in a way that felt still original and not that cheesy. So it was cool. So I'm going to say jam. Andrew, what were your thoughts? So I changed my thoughts right before we Skyped here. This one I've gone back and forth on so many times, and I feel like that's actually appropriate for the song to like not really know. But I landed on Spam, which is probably good for our podcast, so we have some differing of opinions because I'm sure that our listeners will also have differing opinions on the song. I think the song sounds like a jam, but it is just so... Like, I'm rich and I can do whatever the hell I want kind of deal. And I'm not rich. And so I'm personally offended by this song. But I, <laughs> I think, can't afford her hair. I can't afford her hair. And I think just in general, the lyrics are like so... They're just spam. I don't know. The melody's catchy. I was definitely thrown at the beginning too with the Sound of Music inspiration. I don't know how how to give it spam when I think that's a jam. I don't know. I'm so torn. It sounds like a jam, but I'm going to give it spam because I really think when you dive into it, that's just kind of all it is. And I can't give it a jam. So those are my thoughts on seven rings. Nate, the next song that we have is called bury a friend and it's by Billy Eilish. Nate, is that a jam or is it spam? I have jam again. I think the song itself is extremely dark, obviously, lyrically and also musically. And it's kind of scary at points. And I'm not trying to say that, like, she's in a good place because <laughs> she's not. It sounds like and I do really feel for her and hope that she's hope that she's OK. But overall, I just thought musically, like she took a lot of interesting risks and created a very interesting vibe, which I thought was captivating. And I haven't heard anything like that on the radio, really. So I thought it was really cool overall from a Sonics standpoint. What about you? Yeah, I also gave it a jam. And I'm not sure that the song should be on the radio because <laughs> the lyrics are so dark. And I know I, I know they can relate with a lot of people, but... But it's definitely really sad and it's really dark. But I agree. I've never heard anything like it, both lyrically, but especially musically. It is very unique. And I love that. And so anytime that someone does something unique, I want to give it a jam because they're creating music. They're not just redoing the same music that I've heard before. She has a great voice. It's a really unique song, and I think it's a jam as well. It can be very depressing to listen to, so I really I listened to it once, 
And I was like, I want to listen to it again, but I couldn't like that day. It just felt like really heavy. So I felt like I had to wait to get a second listen in until the next day. But but I do think it's a jam. So it's, it's a good song. All right, Nate, now that you've gone double jam, let's see if you go triple jam. So the next song is called Without Me by Halsey. So, Nate, is that a jam or is it spam? Okay, I'm going to give you my explanation and then I'm just going to hit you. I'm just going to blindside you with whether I think it's spam or jam. Okay, we could get the sweep here. So the first time I listen to the song, I think, wow, this is pretty. The second time I listen, I go, wow. This is pretty boring spam. Ooh. Got him. That honestly is the favorite thing that you've said on this podcast that's like not a joke, but like just like <laughs> mic drop moment. Just um, straight up truth. Just straight up. Oh, that's my favorite. I just feel like she checks off all those cliche boxes and she's interesting enough where I can see why she has a lot of fans and her voice is good enough and she sings catchy choruses well enough. But overall, there's not a single thing I feel like on this song I haven't heard before. And she, unlike the last two, was very unoriginal in my mind. So, so yeah, what are your thoughts? So I actually gave it a jam, which gives me just time to be able to explain why it's a jam. So I actually heard the song for the first time. She was just on SNL within the last few weeks, and she did this song, but she did a piano version of it. It basically was just piano and her vocal and kind of the finger snapping as well in that song. And it's it's really beautiful and she was really kind of vulnerable in that performance and I don't really care for her too much but I felt like her on SNL and and actually both songs that she did but specifically this one like it was very emotional to me and I thought she did a really good job with it when I went back to listen to the song it still had similar emotions I actually do prefer her version that she did on SNL just personally So it's hard because I'm almost giving the song a jam just because I think it's a good enough song that either way it works really well. But I do actually favor the more stripped down version. I think it worked better from an emotional standpoint than the actual track itself. However, I do think the song in its original recording is really good. And I think the lyrics, it's obviously very personal to her and what she's gone through, I can understand Nate saying that he's heard this before, and I'm sure that I have as well. It's not nearly as unique as Billie Eilish's song, but it's unique for her to have a song I feel like this vulnerable and understandable. I don't know if that's the best words to use, but I think for her, especially not caring too much about her music, I think this is a really good song, and so I think it's a jam I almost had the clean sweep. I was probably closer to a clean sweep than Nate. But yes, but yeah, I, I like the song. Well, thanks so much for listening to our thoughts on these songs for Spammer Jam. We do have Twitter polls up, so go right now and vote on whether you think these songs are spam or jam. Let us know if we're correct or incorrect. This helps validate Nate and myself as well, and then we can actually poke fun at the others depending on how the poll goes. So definitely go vote there and let us know your thoughts. Now's the time for top three, 
and top three is a portion of our podcast where we give our top three of any specific category that's music related. So today's top three is top three bands whose careers ended way too soon. We'll go back and forth, giving our thoughts from three to one. So Andrew, what's number three on your list? So number three on my list is the band The Civil Wars. The Civil Wars in their debut album, Barton Hollow, came out as probably my favorite music to listen to for for a while. It was months that I was just listening to this album again and again. I think it was really, it's like a folksy, acoustic vibe that they had with that. But the thing that stuck out was it's a guy and a girl and their harmonies were incredible. They had better harmonies than honestly I've ever heard from just a vocal standpoint. It sounded so good. They wrote really catchy while still really intriguing songs and I loved their music so much they ended up calling it quits after two albums there was some rumors as far as why that happened they've never really come out and said why exactly they cut it short they weren't married to each other but they were both married separately and so some of the accusations as far as maybe why they broke up was that it was just kind of weird family dynamics and and things like that their on stage persona was very much that of like a married couple singing these songs to each other but obviously they were not married so so I'm not really sure why they broke up they ended up with basically two albums but by the time the second album came out they were like broken up anyway and I'm not even sure if they were really like a band much before that second album anyway but they were so good and unfortunately I don't think they'll ever kind of come back together both albums are really good but especially when they were kind of in their height that debut album it was just it was incredible so it's sad to see them go but yeah that's my number three Nate what's your number three so my third is the album number one hit single by Sunday the band spelled C-E-N-D-E. Now, I discovered Sunday from a band camp end of the year top album list where a lot of popular artists on band camp gave their favorite album of the year that was also on Bandcamp. Very obscure list. I go through a lot of top end of the year lists, so I was there. And there's this rapper who's also in another band. I'm sure his track record is way too long to share because he's involved in so many different projects. But his name is Namdi Agbanya, and I apologize for mispronouncing that if I did. And I'll really like one of his songs called let go of my ego it's spelled let go of my ego but it's never mind just listen to the song anyways so he suggested this album and it's an eight track album really short rock album but it's just so catchy and i really loved it and the other day i looked up them on instagram because i was thinking like oh when's their next album gonna come out i wonder if there's any news of them in the studio or anything and i just saw an announcement that they broke up as a band after like really just starting to be a band in like 2017 or something like that so that was disappointing all right i just realized this is going to be a sad top three okay andrew what's your number two yeah it is a sad top three because we're both obviously sad that their careers were cut short So my number two is the band Sent by Ravens. They were a band on Tooth and Nail. They had two albums out, 
and then they ended up breaking up. They ended up basically breaking up, my understanding. They just had families and kind of wanted to spend time with them. So they have every right to do that. But I was really sad because their careers were definitely on the ups. Their first album was awesome. Kind of just found them because I followed every band that Tooth and Nail signed at that point. They signed them. I was like, cool, I'll check them out. Really good. Awesome debut album. Had like some really killer tracks on it. As an album, it was really, really solid for a debut album. Then they came out with their sophomore release, and that is one of my favorite just, like, straight rock albums, like, maybe ever. I don't know. It is an incredible album. It was better than their debut, which at that time I would have thought was hard to do for them, but it was a great album, tackled some awesome things lyrically, musically, was really unique in a genre that is not very unique his voice, it can go from powerful to soft, like, right away. It's incredible. They were super talented. I got to see them live right before their release of their second album, and they were so good live. Like, just super talented guys. And then they ended up breaking up, and I've been sad about it literally ever since. I, I literally just went back to this album, to their second album, just like two weeks ago here, and... It's so sad that they're done because the trajectory of them as a band was like super, super strong. But yeah, they're done and it's sad and I'm going to be sad about everything here. So Nate, what is your second band? Sent by Ravens brings me back. Yeah, dude. Um, so, so my second band is Edison Glass. Do you know Edison Glass? Andrew? Yes, I do. That is an excellent choice. And now I'm actually like a little jealous because I used to love Edison glass and I like, I don't even know honestly if they're in my current iTunes cause it's been that long that like oh, wow. I haven't listened to them and like my computer died and whatever, you don't care. But legitimately they were so good. Uh, Dude, I'm jealous I, of this choice. I know. Um, thank you. I appreciate that. That's very kind of you to say. Yeah. So time is fiction is one of my favorite albums. I mean, I'm not going to pretend like it's top 10, but it's definitely in like my top 50 or top 75 albums. It's such a great album. And actually, I find that this album in particular was an album so far ahead of its time. Like if you drop this album in today's current climate of like weird alternative rock, I think it would fit right in and actually they would thrive. But I just feel like they were honestly a little bit too ahead of their time. Mm -hmm. And they were a little too ahead of the curve. They only have two albums. So the first is A Burn or A Shiver. I actually never really gotten into that album, Andrew. I, I apologize if you love that album too. Uh, but Time is Fiction, incredible record. They only made two albums, and I wish they were still making music today. No, I, I agree as far as albums go. I was into both of the albums, but definitely Time is Fiction is like the album. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Andrew, what's your number one? All right, my number one, it's actually funny because... These bands at this time, I would have said, they're not 100% similar, but they were both ahead of their time when we're talking about Edison Glass. My number one is the band called The Myriad. And when Nate asked me what top three I wanted to do, I chose this one because of The Myriad. And if you are not familiar with The Myriad, I'm like, I'm like a huge fan. And also, since they've not been a band 
it's like they're probably the one band that I feel like if they kept going would be in like my top 10 bands of like all time. Like that's like how much I love them as a band and how sad I am that they broken up. So let me explain a little bit. So they released one album and it is like one of my all time favorite kind of like it's kind of a Brit rock type. I don't even know how to explain it. It's very unique. I would say they were way ahead of their time. There's people making music maybe similar now. In fact, I think Island actually has some some similarities to them, but like they were just really ahead of their time. The production on the album is great. Every instrument is like extremely unique. And so I can listen to the album and I can just listen to the vocal melodies and be like, those are great. And then I can listen to the guitar riffs and go, those are great. And the bass lines and the drum grooves and everything separately is like mind-blowingly awesome. And then it's put together. And I just think it's honestly like, it's arguably one of the best debut albums by any band. And I've really wanted an excuse to talk about them here yet on this podcast (laughs) for a long time. And so if you hear that in my voice and just how excited I get about the myriad, that's why. The thing that's most sad about this, and I'm going to bring this like excitement way down. The reason they broke up after one album is that their drummer actually ended up passing away. And they called it quits in kind of memory to him and how good he was. He was an insanely good drummer. And it's the most like sad, tragic story of why a band would actually end the lead singer his name's jeremy edwardson he's extremely talented he's literally he's been nominated for grammys for production he basically just produces other people's music and makes it better and he's like a big deal too so like you might know a lot of the people that he works with and like he yeah again he was just at this past grammys like he's insanely talented and when he was writing the music and making the music that came from him it was insanely good so now he's just making everyone else better but like dude the myriad that album it's all time it's so good so nate what's your number one band so i have another question for you have you heard of the band decoder yes so they now talked about this yes so they now all their music and by all their music I mean their one album yeah is titled Lead Hands. I think they got into a dispute because somebody else had that band name or something. But anyways, this was kind of a, a hodgepodge of members from a lot of different metal bands or post-hardcore bands during the late 2000s and this album was released in 2011 and it was this really unique combination of kind of like ambient or honestly atmospheric rock with like have like some really heavy parts but also some really beautiful singing and it kind of took all that was kind of cool and hip during the post hardcore scene during that time and it gave it this new direction and kind and new style and i just wish other bands followed them in this suit or picked up carry the mantle for them because they had such a cool sound and yet they only were able to make one album and then they broke up and it's just this kind of cult classic now and also just one one more important fact one of the best album covers ever 
Love it. Mm-hmm. So sick. Check it out. Lead Hands, and it's self-titled, obviously, Lead Hands. But, yeah, they're they're a great band. Is it still in your iTunes as the coder? <laughs> uh, no, I, I think it's uh, Lead Hands simply because I had to uh, download it from Apple Music. Yeah. I still have it as decoder from like nice. the album itself and uh, on YouTube on Rise I think they were signed on Rise. The title of the video says Lead Hands, but the video itself says decoder because it's so old and they didn't want to lose the views or something. I don't know. Dude, that's awesome. So that was our top three bands whose careers ended way too soon. Before our podcast ends way too soon, please tweet us <laughs> your top three bands. That's careers ended way too soon. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Welcome to our album listening portion of this podcast. We're going to be talking about the album Malibu Nights by the band Laney. Let me give a little bit of background on how I found out about Laney, some background about Laney, and then we'll jump into the songs. So Laney, it's actually an acronym for Los Angeles to New York. So it's L-A-N-Y, and that's what it's supposed to mean is basically L-A to New York. So yeah, it's spelled L-A-N-Y, and it's an acronym, but it's an acronym without the periods because lead singer Paul Jason Klein had said that when they created it, it was kind of confusing to people when they read it as an acronym. They didn't kind of know what it was. So now it's just pronounced Laney. So that's the band. They were formed in 2014. The band consists of lead singer Paul Jason Klein, Charles Leslie Priest, and Jake Clifford Goss. So they're all using their like full names, which is kind of cool. They're an American indie pop band from Los Angeles, and you'll notice kind of some themes. They live in Malibu, so with it talking about Malibu Nights, that's a big part about this album, which we will get into in a minute. So I found out about Laney from a friend of mine, Tyler. He told me about Laney in 2017. They had just released their debut album, Laney, at that point. And this is their sophomore release, Malibu Nights. It came out in 2018, and we are reviewing it in 2019. So we're not too far behind with this album. So that's enough of an intro. We're going to jump into the songs and give you our thoughts on each song as we go. So hopefully you've listened to this album already, so you're all ready to kind of follow along with us in our discussion. You're also more than welcome to pause each song, listen to it, refresh yourself on the song, and then come back to the podcast if you would like. However, is kind of your best listening experience is totally fine with us. So we're going to go into our first song called Thick and Thin. Here we go. Nate, what were your thoughts on the song Thick and Thin? Okay. The fact that it's a a breakup album is important because it's really a concept album. Honestly, more than it is a breakup album. I know it's a breakup album, but it's literally, it seems to be talking about a single breakup. And that's so important for understanding as you listen through. 
So the pace for this song is a little slow for an opener for a pop band of what I'd expect, yet it's pretty upbeat, actually, compared to the rest of the album. You can tell right off the bat that they're a very vibe-focused band, or at least for this album, and they rely a lot on the vibes. And what I think is a very big danger for bands that are vibe bands like this is that they focus on the vibes more than they do the songwriting and what you end up having are these like interesting atmospheres that never go anywhere and aren't really interesting after you listen thoroughly and so that was one of my things heading into the album is wondering hey is this actually a good band or just a band that's focused on making um, cool and current vibes. So lyrically, the song kind of breaks your heart because it's about a relationship and he did something small and the girl broke up with him despite saying that she'd be there through the thick and the thin. And that's where you get the title. I think to close my thoughts, the song makes a great point lyrically about the current dating culture and the meaning or weight of words. And just the commitments we make verbally, how do they correlate with how we commit with our actions? And so I thought it was a very interesting song for that standpoint. And overall, I thought it was a good first track. What are your thoughts, Andrew? Man, that's really deep. I hadn't even thought about just kind of how it speaks to our culture in general, those thoughts. That's really good. So I'm I'm just trying to process that right now. But no, that's that's really good. I'm going to echo what you said as far as a concept album. That that I fully agree that it's more of a concept album than a breakup album. When the album came out, I was listening through it. My wife and I really love Lainey. But it kind of felt like every song is a breakup song, which it is. It just kind of feels sad, especially if you're listening with your wife and you're like happily married (laughs) and you're listening to all these breakup songs. But then kind of as I was diving into this album, realizing that it's actually more just like one breakup. It's not just like, hey, all love will end. It's all terrible. It's just basically like working through emotions of at least for the lead singer, Paul Jason Klein, at least for him, working through his emotions of his maybe most recent breakup, or at least the breakup that is written about on this entire album. So a little background with that as well. The lead singer was dating a UK pop star who my wife actually loves. So this was kind of, it's kind of fun (laughs) as well. But he broke up with this singer named Dua Lipa. She's really good. You can check out her music And throughout this album, you might either gain or lose respect, probably more lose respect for her because it's seen through the eyes of Paul Jason Klein and his breakup with her. But her music is really, really good. And so definitely check that out. But this whole album is basically speaking to that breakup. They were together five months and they broke up and it kind of seems like It was a very serious relationship, not just like a, hey, let's grab dinner or anything like that. But there were definitely promises made and promises broken in that time. And I think that makes a breakup so much harder when you're so invested in it. And so this song starts out with kind of talking about those promises, exactly what Nate said, where it's like, you said you'd be there forever, and now she's gone. Like, she said she'd be there through the thick and thin, and now she's gone. And so... It is so much harder to work through when you've made those promises, when you've said those things, and then you break up. It makes breakups so much harder. 
One interesting fact just about this album as you're listening through is that the lead singer who writes basically the lyrics, and I'm not sure the extent of the instrumental music as well, but definitely writes most of these songs and then gets the band to kind of rework them and add their parts and all that. But he wrote this album in 45 days, which is kind of crazy. So he wrote the entire album after their breakup. They broke up in January 2018, and he finished it on Valentine's Day, which you'll find out later why that matters. He wrote the song basically from beginning of January to Valentine's Day, and that's the album. And so it is really cool that all these songs, it is a concept album. It is about this breakup, and it's each song kind of picks maybe some different emotions or different thoughts or, or something a little different. So as we move on, just keep that in mind. I think that helps as you're listening through the album, just have a better understanding of what he was trying to get across with the album. All right. I do have a favorite part of Thick and Thin specifically. I do love the O's throughout the song. It's really cool. It just kind of, there's some really cool O's throughout that. They layer the instruments really well. I'll be talking about that plenty as we go through the album. So those are my thoughts for Thick and Thin. We are going to move on to our next song. The next song is called Taking Me Back. So baby, won't you slow? All right, Nate, what were your thoughts on Taking Me Back? So the song seems to be his initial reaction to her leaving. And overall, lyrically, it's a lot less intense than a lot of the songs later in the album, which I think demonstrates how he felt right after, where it felt like, hey, this is easy to fix. Like, this isn't really that big of a deal. And so there was such a lack of urgency in the way he was writing in this song. And as you find out later, uh, his urgency uh, definitely grows and heightens. Throughout the album, I'll be talking a lot about Paul's vocals and the melodies he chooses to sing, because I think even though the instrumentals are amazing on this album, the album is more defined by his melodies and his voice. And so I tend to focus, I mean, I naturally focus more on the voice, but specifically with this album, I think it plays a larger role than anything else. And so on this song specifically, I really like the melodies he chose to sing, and I like how they work together. And I like how he shows a large variety of what he can do vocally on this track. So Andrew, what are your thoughts? I agree with the sense of urgency, because I think in general, he doesn't yeah, he doesn't quite understand everything that happened, and it seems like it's fixable, and he's just like, hey, I know you broke up with me, but, like, let's just work it out. Like, just come back and try to kind of – she seems to have moved on, but he definitely hasn't, and he's he's just ready to kind of love her again which throughout the album definitely wrestles with different emotions in that. I think you already specified the melody with this and the melody throughout the album. I love his falsetto in the chorus that he adds into the melody. And then also there's ooze again. They add them a lot in the song. But like halfway through the chorus, that's kind of my favorite part there. There's a cool synth solo in the song as well that that's just nice and catchy. And then the one thing I'll specify, and just please pay attention to this, 
in every single song. When you were talking about them as a vibe band, vibe bands do this better than any other band, but I think Laney does this better than even most vibe bands, where they basically keep introducing parts and hooks throughout the song, and then towards the end of the song, they have kind of a chorus, where every single part that they've introduced here and there all comes together in like a major crescendo. So pay attention to that if they introduce a part, if there's like, like for instance, the synth solo that I mentioned before, that comes back in the final chorus. And all these different parts that they've added throughout the song, whether it's in a verse, a chorus, an instrumental, a bridge, whatever, usually in like the final chorus, it all crescendos in one big final chorus with every part playing. And that is really hard to do. It's really hard to write in that way. It's really hard for all those parts to work together and not to kind of be butting heads with each other. So I'm pointing it out in this song while we're kind of at the beginning of the album. But as you're listening through the album or as you've listened through the album, if you haven't noticed that, just pay attention to that because I think that's one of their strengths as a band as well. All right. That's my thoughts for taking me back. We're going to move on to song number three. Song number three is called If You See Her. This doesn't make any sense. So if you see her, tell her I'll do anything I need her. I know I'm not perfect, but we were. She says she doesn't love me, don't believe her. If you see her. All right, Nate, what are your thoughts on If You See Her? So Paul still seems dumbstruck for why she left. And uh, you can see that, as he says in the chorus, the night before goodbye, she said forever and made me swear I'd never leave her. She says she doesn't love me. Don't believe her. And on one hand, I feel like he's just in denial. But on another hand, the math really doesn't add up. I mean, it's like, how could she say forever one night and then the next leave? And on the flip side of what I talked about earlier with the weight of words, I think it's important to be wary as the recipient of those words that the other person, no matter what they say to you, that they've proven their love time and time again with their actions. And so it's not just being careful with the words we say to others, but with the words we believe from others and focusing on the actions within a relationship. So that being said, this is one of the more upbeat songs, and I really like the melodies again in the song. Very catchy. And the instrumentals on every track so far, and including this one, have been really, really good. So I really enjoyed this track. What are your thoughts, Andrew? Yeah, I'm going to focus on lyrics on this one as well. I think throughout the song, it seems like he, he again, he's trying to understand this breakup and why she's gone. He seems to take responsibility for at least some of the parts that he played in the breakup, even though he might not be sure what those parts are. He kind of says, I know I'm not perfect, but we were. And that line kind of helps you understand where he's at in this breakup. He's going, hey, I know I'm not perfect. I want to work through these things. Still, I'm not sure why you left. I know you still love me is kind of the sense that that he gives in this. Like, I wasn't perfect, but I know you still love me. And almost the sense that they might still get back together. But what's interesting is I think at the end of this song, it kind of transitions his thoughts into the rest of the album a little bit. It kind of feels like this is the bridge into some different emotions 
that he will unpack in future songs. And it's also where he uses the F-bomb. I think it's the only time in the album that it's used or really any sort of cursing or anything like that. It's used this one time, which usually when a band uses it once in an album, to me it's like I should really pay attention to that because they really want to convey an emotion. Probably not my favorite use of it, but I do think it helps carry a real emotion and it really helps, I think, transition from kind of the responsibility that he feels to putting some of the responsibility on her. The one line is, if you see her, tell her that she's effed it. I can't read her. We both know she's not perfect either. And I think finally just kind of giving a little bit like, I know I'm not perfect, but she's also not perfect. And starting to maybe unpack a little bit of maybe her imperfections along with his throughout the rest of the album. Also just saying that she's effed it by leaving him basically like, in the end... Sure, I might want to get back together, but it's also her fault for leaving me. Yeah, that's my thoughts for If You See Her. We're going to move on to I Don't Want to Love You Anymore. So this is the second single on the album. The song's called I Don't Want to Love You Anymore. Nate, what are your thoughts? So this is another heartbreaking song where Paul confesses he doesn't want to love her anymore because he's given up hope and he is so tired of feeling pain knowing that she doesn't want him back. And this is just, from an empathy standpoint, such a tough place to be in. And you really can't help but feel bad for him and feel that weight he's feeling. But that being said, I really did like the melodies in this song especially the chorus and i feel like the song felt stagnant and isn't catchy or beautiful enough from a vocal standpoint and it creates what could be a really powerful and impactful song it just feels like a boring like woe is me type of song and i just felt like that wasn't the best way of presenting this idea so i was kind of let down by the song but what are your thoughts well i'll start with my favorite parts so my favorite parts are the guitar work throughout the guitar work is probably my favorite in any of the songs in this album i really like how it's used there's a bunch of layered guitars so there's muted guitar plucking there's ambient guitars in the chorus and there's these lead lines in the verse i just think guitar work is really really good This song, it actually kind of ties together with Through These Tears. It's the second single, Through These Tears, which we'll get to much later in the album, was the first single. He also wrote this. This was one of the first kind of songs that he was writing. As you see through the album, you can kind of see that progression. And he wrote that basically he was driving one night after the breakup. He went somewhere to eat dinner himself, kind of ate alone with his headphones in. Then he drove home to Malibu. He pulled the car over, and that's where he really started to feel these emotions of finally, like, I don't want to love you anymore, and kind of being okay with the idea of not loving her anymore, where I think in the first few ones, it was speaking about almost, like, wanting to patch it up a little bit more, but this one finally, like... Him like, I'm not even sure that I want to love you anymore. So even if you came back, not sure that I want this anymore. 
I had never thought about any of kind of the musical, it being boring or anything like that. I really like the song. I don't think it's one of the stronger ones on the album, but I think there's still still some really cool parts in it. Again, like the guitar work that to me make for at least an interesting song. One thing that I noticed at this point in the album, all four songs have sounded different as much as they all sound like Laney, each song at least feels different and takes a different musical approach. So uh, whether it's good or not, it's at least different, which I'll always take different over bad, at least in my opinion. So, all right, we're going to move on to song number five. Song number five is called Let Me Know. Let me know if there's something I can do to fix it. Let me know if you ever change, if you ever change your mind. I can't promise you that I'll be waiting. But for you, I'll leave anything behind. All right, Nate, what are your thoughts on Let Me Know? So I don't know enough about the whole story to know if this song is hypocritical or not. But the chorus goes, let me know if you ever change, if you ever change your mind. I can't promise you that I'll be waiting, but for you, I'll leave anything behind. Basically, he says, I might be reading into this wrong, but I might not wait for you, but I'll leave whoever I am with to be with you if you change your mind. And it's like, if you were sad, she dumped you when you didn't do anything wrong, really, in the grand scheme of things. And yet you are willing to dump someone who hasn't done anything wrong to you, really, to go back with her. And you're crying about feeling all this pain and hurt and being so sad, and yet you're willing to put someone else through that pain just so you can get back with this girl. I don't know. I might be reading this the wrong way, but it seemed kind of shallow and low and totally selfish. And yeah, that was kind of the message I got from that song. That being said, the song is sick. (laughs) And I love the vibe. I think Paul just does a great job of smoothly bringing you through the song like he does vocally he doesn't try and do anything crazy but he just flows with the music and it creates this very nice environment and it's almost like it's almost like a sexual song i don't know how to describe it it's like sexy even though i don't i don't know it's kind of like he's saying like hey if you're free i don't know anyways it just gives you those vibes that's all i'm trying to say okay what are your thoughts andrew so i think You interpreted the song the same way that I did, so you're definitely not crazy with lyrically where he's coming from. How I think I've settled on it is just the fact that, like, he has these dueling emotions going on of, like, he really doesn't want to get back together. So he wants to move on with someone, but there's still a part of his heart that feels attached to her. And so hopefully he has no intention of, like, getting together with someone else and then later leaving them who've done nothing wrong to go back with her. Hopefully that's not like a planned out intention. I think it's just showing he doesn't know what the future looks like. And right now there's still a huge part of his heart that wants to be with her and he'll do anything. But there's also this part of him that knows at some point he's got to move on. And so he's almost anticipating being with someone else as well. So I'm going to give him a slight benefit of a doubt that he's not like a tool and just like going to break up with someone later to get back with her. I don't know that that's what he means, but I also don't know that that's not what he means. So we'll see. But that's kind of how I interpreted it is just like these dueling emotions 
And he wrote both from almost both perspectives at the same time, which is really confusing. So it is very interesting. I'll talk about the music then as well. I think my favorite part is the verse groove in this song. I really love how everything works together. There's a pulsing synth. There's some guitar strums, just big, nice uh, open strums. And there's a drum groove. And it just kind of pulls you into the song. That might be the sexiness that you're referring to as well. That like everything works together and it has a really good vibe to it that like feels really really catchy and really sexy. The other thing is towards the end of the song, there's this cool kind of dueling vocal part where he's singing one thing, the background vocals are singing another, not something that they invented, but I think that they use it really, really well in this song. And I think it's a cool addition to the overall track. All right, we're going to move on to track number six. Track number six is called Run. So go ahead and Nate, what are your thoughts on Run? Oh, wait. She's with her ex, and you're mad when you said you'd leave anyone to get back with her who (laughs) is your ex? (laughs) Anyways, we already kind of went down that rabbit trail. But the song has, like, a trap beat, which I think is a cool experiment. But to me, it kind of makes the song feel very out of place on the album, especially combined with the melodies and the way he sings and a lot of the portions and i just feel like the song as a whole kind of fell flat on its face for me in the grand scheme of the whole album which sucks because i think it's a very important track within the narrative of understanding the situation and everything i just wasn't a huge fan of this song and i'd probably skip it most times listening to the album this point on But what are your thoughts, Andrew? Yeah, this song, I'm giving the award for most improved with context. So this song, I was kind of back and forth on. I like the musical change of it with the kind of trap beat that you're talking about with kind of the 808s in the background. But it is very unique and probably musically the most different that they have on the album because of that change. And so I was kind of back and forth on whether I liked it or anything. I never hated it. I never loved it. But then reading more kind of about their breakup and everything, after they did break up, she did go back to her ex. And from his perspective, basically, it seems like while they were dating, she was kind of trashing her ex and maybe even running away from him towards Paul, the lead singer of Lainey. And so now he's kind of hearing that they're back together And he's kind of like, so I don't get it. Did you lie to me? Like, is he really not a terrible person or are you just back with him as a terrible person? I think for me with this, though, this is actually the song that for the album really matters because it's finally the time that he just goes, I'm kind of done with you. That he even says to the point of basically, don't try running back to me because I won't I won't be there for you. And it's kind of the first time that it feels like he's fully moved on from her. So in that sense, I think, again, all that context helped the song a whole lot for me. Just understanding where he was from, that this actually happened. He's not just writing about some random thing that could happen, that this actually happened. It's very real for him. I think 
the lyrics are very vulnerable for him in that sense. I think whether you like the song or not, I really do like the vocal melody and cadence throughout the song. I think it's unique. He definitely pushes his vocal cadences in a very different way. I think to try and work with the kind of trap beat behind him that the vocal melody and cadence is very different in this song. So again, adds diversity to the album, whether you like it or not. I'm still torn on, like, it's not my favorite song, but it's definitely, I think it's still really strong. I don't think it, my personal thing is that it's not, not maybe as bad as, as Nate thinks it is right now. So uh, you'll agree with one of us most likely. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to track seven. Track seven is called Valentine's Day. on valentine's day so on one level i get where he's coming from when he says in the chorus but i know it's not the truth no matter what i tell myself she's not as good as you she's not as good she's not as good as you but i also think it's important and this is just you know me giving him some advice and take it or leave it paul you know i know you're listening right now take it or leave it i think it's important to avoid comparing people if we can But if we do in this context to compare them holistically, like sure, whoever you're with next might not be as exciting or funny. You might not connect as much as you did with Dua Lipa and you may feel less in love or over the moon. But at the end of the day, if this girl commits to you and she doesn't leave you for someone else, (laughs) then she may be worth committing to. And so commitment's underrated, man. That's all I'm trying to say. And okay, for the song portion, I love the song. I think this is one of the best on the album. And I think it's so catchy and beautiful. And I think from a melodic standpoint, and I think Paul is really important vocally in making that the case. And so I think he does a great job on this song. What are your thoughts, Andrew? Yeah. So with this, this basically signifies the last song that he wrote on the album then. Like I'd said before, he kind of started from like January 4th to February 14th. He wrote the entire album. So this is actually the last song that he wrote. But it's interesting because how the tracks are listed, obviously it is not the final song. And I think that's because how it's written or what it's written about, it's not exactly summarizing the whole relationship. It is kind of him trying to move on. And it I agree with you very much, which is don't compare people. Nate's like given some great like TED Talks basically throughout this episode of just culture and dating culture and what to do and what not to do. So if you need any dating advice, you should honestly talk to Nate because he's got you covered. But I do think I think it is one of the more interesting songs on the album. I think both with how it's structured musically and then lyrically and melodically just it all works really well together there's a guitar lead line that's introduced in the bridge that is my favorite part of the song specifically and i think in general it's it's just a really strong song all right we're gonna move on to track eight track eight is called through these tears you said- 
track eight is the first single that was released. I already had mentioned it earlier. And so, Nate, what are your thoughts on Through These Tears? So I think this is one of the few parts of the album where I feel like the instrumental kind of lets me down at portions. I don't like certain parts of the first half of the song musically. And honestly, I think it kind of derails some melody, which is a good melody in the long run. But that being said, as the song progresses and as we get into the piano driven portion at the end, I think the song really becomes full and fantastic and does a great job of tying all the instruments instrumental parts together in a way that's very whole and I really liked it and then lyrically it's funny I wrote down on a few portions of the album I've wondered if songs are out of place and this was one song where I felt like it didn't fit within the narrative and is probably placed here for musical reasons or something and it's funny that you told me and taught me that he wrote Valentine's Day last And so it was interesting. I kind of noticed that without noticing that. But anyways, so lyrically, he says, out of sight, but you're not out of mind. So it might take somebody else at night to make it feel like you were never here. But right now, I can't see nothing through these tears. So this makes less sense as a song after already talking about finding someone else and feeling like they weren't as good as the last girl. But it does make sense if you understand that this song was actually written before Valentine's Day. So I get it. What are your thoughts, Andrew? So this song, I do think it's both out of place and not. And so I'm going to give a pro and a con to this because I read a lot about this song. There is a lot of material about the song kind of when it was written and even maybe why it was placed here. So the song was written much earlier, especially the chorus of Through These Tears. I'd alluded to during I Don't Want to Love You Anymore when he was kind of out and about by himself. When he pulled over on the side of the road, he actually wrote the chorus for Through These Tears. The same time he was working through the emotions for I Don't Want to Love You Anymore. So he basically was trying to get over this and realizing I'm going to be fine but it was actually the first time that he he cried. He had mentioned that sometimes when you're so hurt, you just feel sick and you don't cry. You just kind of are sick to your stomach. But the first time that he actually cried, he wrote the song or at least the chorus of Through These Tears, which I think is really cool. It definitely paints a cool picture of kind of the song and that he was actually going through these emotions, not just saying I can't say anything through these tears, basically. But it definitely was written and would work lyrically much earlier in this album. And so I do think it was pushed later. It was the first single. I think they were trying to not have it so early for musical reasons. I agree. The only reason that maybe he pushed it later is he had mentioned that when he wrote the song, it was very much about him and what he was going through. But then he realized that he's one in like 7 billion people and that so many other people have had these these relationship problems, these breakups, and that it wasn't his song anymore. It was actually like everyone's song. So how they wanted to present the song was as a song that everyone could understand And so I think that the song kind of helps summarize the album a little bit and just the relationship in general. It kind of has a bunch of different sentences that maybe summarize a song beforehand and just in general is maybe the most 
holistic view of his relationship that he gives on the album instead of just one emotion it kind of has a lot of emotions in it and so I think there's a chance that they moved it really late because he kind of rewrote the song so it could feel like it's summarizing the album more than most of the other songs I'm not sure if that's why but that's kind of the feeling that I got as far as maybe why it was placed here because it does feel like every song is intentionally placed throughout this but then all of a sudden this one does stick out as like it doesn't feel quite right and I think that's if you view it from his standpoint it doesn't fit that timeline but if you view it maybe from him trying to summarize everything or from him trying to make this like everyone finally instead of just focusing on Paul's emotions focusing on everyone's that works really well Although I'm not sure why maybe you just wouldn't put that at the very, very end, if that's the case. But those are some of my thoughts. I love the song. So I think musically it works well. To me, the crescendo, I think, is actually maybe my favorite crescendo. I just really like it. I think it fits the song. The musical crescendo is probably the most, like, happy the album sounds in general it just has a really major sound to it and i really love it i think my favorite parts are the synth in the verses the grand piano in the instrumental bridge section i really love this song as a whole so those are my thoughts all right we're gonna move on to track number nine track number nine is called malibu nights dealing with it on my own i got way too much time to be this hurt Somebody help, it's getting worse What do you do with a broken heart? Once a life phase, everything is dark Way too much whiskey in my blood I feel my body giving up Can I hold on for another night? What do I do with all this time? Yeah. Alright, Nate, what are your thoughts on the final track, Malibu Nights? So I think this is a good conclusion for the album lyrically. In the chorus, Paul sings, I drive, chasing Malibu nights. Nothing seems to heal my mind. I can't forget. Sometimes it feels like when you're in a situation like this that you'll just be hurting forever. And I think that the point of this album isn't to give necessarily to give answers how to fix things or how to make everything better. But it's here to display pain and to share that pain and loss from an ended relationship and let you know that if you're feeling this way, that you're not alone in your feelings. I think you talked about that idea and that correlation when you explained through these tears and how he was saying this is a song for everybody, not just for myself. And then I think from just a song standpoint, I think it's one of the strongest on the album. And I think Paul carries it vocally and just kills it vocally. So I think he just does a great job. And I think this is a good example of them being minimalist musically and still being great. I think this song in particular does a great job of displaying that. So what are your thoughts, Andrew? You actually stole most of my thoughts, which is perfect. I won't have to repeat them. Melody is my favorite part about the song. The electric guitar line that comes in after three minutes in is really groovy. The song is pretty quiet, and you're right. It's very minimalist. It's kind of him and a piano for a decent bit of it, and then they kind of add some different layers as it goes I think one thing that I do love is there's a really long musical fade at the end of the song. And it gives you just a long time to kind of 
Just take a breath, similar to what we talked about with Valley Heart, that sometimes a long ending can help you understand the emotions that were talked about in a song and grasp those ideas and those concepts. And I think that this album, maybe because it's a breakup album, it feels heavy, even though the music isn't written in this dark and and sad way. And there's definitely hope written within some of these songs, and especially this final song. And it's a very beautiful and vulnerable kind of song at the end here. But I think that long fade just helps you kind of comprehend everything that you've heard throughout these nine songs and gives you a chance to kind of feel the emotions that you need to or think the thoughts that you need to by the end of this album. So I really like that. I know it's really small, but I really like that they kind of built that time into the end of the album. I think it makes the album feel a lot more like a concept album because I think this song serves the rest of the songs by giving it a break, if that makes sense. So I really like that. All right, we're going to enter into our album review. This is where we give our final thoughts and our ratings. So, Nate, what are your final thoughts on this album? So I think that in all genres, every good album falls into one of two categories. It's either groundbreaking and it really does a lot of new and interesting things and really paves the way for new albums, or... It's not groundbreaking, but it does what the genre asks you to do really, really, really well. And I think there are, especially in the production standpoint, some really cool and interesting stuff that's out of the box. But for the most part, I would say this is a pop album and a stereotypical pop album. But the thing is, it's that it's a really good pop album. And so that's what I really like about the album is that it is just high quality stuff. And I think that their talent is very evident. But what's most refreshing, honestly, is his heart in the midst of this and his vulnerability, which I don't think is always present in pop music. I think there can be a facade of everything's happy and everything's good. But to write a full album about a singular breakup is just very, just very open. And I really appreciate that from him. So I really liked it. What are your final thoughts, Andrew? So I think in general, a knock on the album could be that it's formulaic. And what I mean by that is each song can have a similar like I'd mentioned, one of the strengths of the album is that it adds all these different parts and then towards the end it has this big crescendo of all these parts of the same thing and each song is a breakup song. So you could look at it and you could probably diss it as like, oh, it just sounds all the same. But when you actually dive into it and when you dive into the musical journey that it takes you on and the emotional journey and the lyrics and the melodies and just everything that's written in this album, I think you'll find that it's something that's fresh and unique, even if it is in a certain structure that they write in and out of kind of throughout the song. I also think in general, they're helping people realize that it's okay to feel these emotions and you don't just have to come out like, I'm totally fine, or you don't have to come out completely blaming the other person like, maybe like a country song or like a Taylor Swift love song or something where you're not just trashing the other person like, oh, you were a terrible person. I'm awesome. You're awful. It's actually being able to go, hey, I made some mistakes. 
it's okay to wrestle with not knowing 100% why they broke up with you or whatever it is. I think it just allows the listener the best way of understanding that, that it's okay to feel and it's okay to emote when they need to. It's okay to cry. It's it's just okay to feel. And I think that's really important. And as much as it is a pop album, I think it's not written to be safe. And even like talking about the song Run, they still try to push the envelope of of what is pop, what is Laney, and what they can do to kind of keep evolving and changing as they keep going as a band. So those are kind of my final thoughts. All right, we're going to do our ratings now. So we're going to go through and we're going to go back and forth between these different ratings, give you a rating 1 to 10, and let you know kind of just like a one or two sentence thought of why we gave it that rating, our overall thoughts on that. So I'm going to give you the topics and then we'll go one by one and give you a rating for them. So the first topic is going to be instrumentation, second is vocals, third is lyrics, the fourth is journey, which consists of the flow, consistency, and length, and then the final one is the overall package of the album, the production, and the album artwork together. So Nate, what are your thoughts on instrumentation? What did you give that? So for the instrumentation, I gave it an 8.5, and the album listening experience is more defined by the vocals, in my opinion, but the instrumentals are the band's stronger asset in this album, so that's why I gave it 8.5. What about you, Andrew? So I gave it a 9.5, and this is the highest that I am on this, and I do think it's because this is their strength. I think everything works into this. I think their use of crescendoing all their instruments and hooks in each song is incredible and unique. Yeah, that's why I gave it a 9.5. What are your thoughts on vocals? So vocals, I gave a 7.5. He has a really good voice. And I mean, I think he has a really, really good voice. One of the better voices in pop. That being said, I was just disappointed with some of the melodies and felt that the album would have been a lot stronger with better melodies in certain areas. What about you, Andrew? So I gave that a 9. I think that his vocals are extremely strong. He is super talented as a vocalist. The vocal melodies that he chooses a couple times throughout the album that I think it was my highlight of the entire song was just the fact that he pulled a certain vocal melody into the song. I think his talent to slip in and out of falsetto fits their style perfectly. His whole voice just fits their style perfectly, that it doesn't have to change. They can write within their own style, and he can sing everything that he needs to within their style perfectly. All right, Nate, what are your thoughts on lyrics? For the lyrics, I gave 7.5 again. I really enjoyed his honesty and his vulnerability. And though these lyrics are not necessarily complex, they are touching in many instances and very powerful in this concept album setting. But also, they are very biographical, which I appreciate as well, that he's giving you a lot of details about what happened and how he felt specifically, which you can go the poetic route or you could go the literal route. And I really like that he went the literal route in this instance. What are your thoughts, Andrew? Yeah, I gave the lyrics an 8.5. As much as all the songs are breakup songs, I think that actually makes it harder to write an album like this lyrically and not step on your own toes of repeating yourself a lot. Because usually in a breakup, 
you repeat a lot of the same emotions as you're working through them. But I think each song was able to pull a different aspect of grief or the breakup out differently. And he was able to use lyrics that they're not extremely poetic, but they don't sound like something that I've heard a thousand times either. And that's really hard, especially when breakup songs are probably the most common songs to have ever been written, because it's probably the most common emotion among human beings is just the loss of love. And I think it's it's incredible that he was able to create diversity on this album and avoid repeating the same thoughts again and again. All right, Nate, what are your thoughts on the journey, the flow, consistency, and length of this album? So I gave that an eight. I originally longed for them to kind of change it up a little bit. And then in hindsight, after they did change it up with Run, I actually liked that they kind of stuck within a certain sound without any of the songs being repetitive. But not only that, I think the concept album aspect of it plays a big role in the flow and the consistency. And I think that's a strong benefit to the album, having it be a concept album. What's your rating, Andrew? So I also gave it an eight for basically the same reasons that you said. I think that nine songs is basically always too short. The only caveat I'll give is I do think if it's a concept album and you've been able to unpack your concept in nine songs, good for you. That's awesome. I would rather that than him start repeating himself at 10 or 11. It's hard. If each song was fully different and had no concept to it, then nine songs is too short. Just write about more things. But if nine songs is what it takes you to unpack this breakup then I'm fine with that I also think there's an emotional heaviness to this album in general and even with kind of the spacing at the end I think by the time you reach the end of the album if you listen straight through to nine songs it doesn't feel short as much as nine songs looking at it is short because there's that emotional weight and just unpacking all these different things and the musical journey throughout the album I don't think it feels too short it has a great consistency to it probably because of how they space the songs, I think they did a good job with that as well. All right, Nate, what are your thoughts on the package, the production and album artwork of this album? So I gave this a 9.5, which is my highest rating of all the lists. I just think the production on this album is phenomenal, and I think that there's cool ideas and layering that are threaded throughout the album, and I just feel like... So this is one of the cleanest albums I've heard in a while, very similar to 21 Pilots Trench, where though those albums are very different, the production is just so crisp and so clean that it's very enjoyable listening experience. And then the album cover, I think it's great. I really like it. Andrew, what's your rating for the package? All right. So I gave that a nine as well. I think it's really strong. It's probably one of the highest that I've given. I think the overall production helps capture who Laney is as a band and it capitalizes on what they do well, which is their layering of instruments and the way that they produce the album helps that come across the best way possible. I think it's one of the strengths of the albums is the production. The album artwork is awesome. You can kind of zoom in on the artwork as well to the bottom left and you can see it kind of has all like the copyright type stuff on the front which is kind of cool it's just really unique it's a different take on it it's basically just a picture of Malibu and it would probably look pretty standard and nothing crazy except they overlay this kind of pink 
color over top, which I think just makes it feel really unique. I think it's a really cool album cover as well. And I think overall, the production and the album artwork work really well together. So that brings my total to an even 44. That brings Nate's total to an even 41. So if we put both of those scores together. So if we add both of those scores together, we get a total of 85 out of a possible 100 or an 8.5 out of 10. So that is our podcast score for Laney's album, Malibu Nights. Check it out wherever, Apple Music, Spotify, Google, whatever you have as far as your music streaming, check it out. Go to a show, support them. It's a great album. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Tweet us your ratings as well. So we have an 8.5, but tweet us and let us know what your personal rating for this album is, and we'll kind of compare all those scores. So this is our final segment. We call it the encore. And this is where we give our final thought on anything music related, non-music related, doesn't matter. We can do whatever the heck we want. Andrew, what's your final thought? So I really wanted to pick one that fit Laney. And overall, we've been talking a lot about relationships. And so mm. I wanted to find just kind of a a final thought that fit talking about relationships in general, just something maybe a good a good note to end on that helps people think a lot. So relationships are like fat people. Most of them don't work out. (laughs) (laughs) Your old man laugh is like, it's just what I needed. Perfect. So Nate, what are your final thoughts? So I had my own joke uh, ready but I'm going to tell a quick story that I actually told Andrew before the podcast started. So my wife, Tori, and I were going to see How to Train Your Dragon 3 or whatever the heck it's called this Friday. It's going to be great. The first two movies were good. I'm an animated movie sucker. And we're trying to decide, hey, we're, hey, we're going to eat. So near the theater, there's a Thai place and a faux place. And my wife said, what do the reviews say? And so I looked them up and the Thai place got a 4.7 out of five stars. That's pretty good. And so I told her that and she was like, hey, let's go there. And I said, the faux place, though, got 4.4 stars. And then I said, or should I say faux point faux? (laughs) So that's just my little real life pun for you. Andrew, please take the spotlight off of me and plug all our many plugs that we have to give. So first we're going to give a plug that we haven't given yet, but it's a much needed plug. So we've had a lot of listeners that have enjoyed the instrumental music throughout the podcast, and some people ask if I'd written that, and I have not written it, but I want to tell you who has written it. His name. Thank is, you, everybody. Oh, sorry. His name is Nathan Grimley. No, it's not. It's not either of us. This is a behind-the-scenes guy who has written some 
awesome instrumental music that you can find anywhere that music is found. His name is Josh Leininger, spelled Josh like normal, (laughs) J-O-S-H, Leininger, L-E-I-N-I-N-G-E-R. So find his music. It's awesome. He makes instrumental music. He makes just normal music with singing. He makes a bunch of really cool music. And he's been super nice to let us use some of his awesome music. So definitely check out his stuff. Definitely want to plug him. And then we have a bunch of socials that you guys can find us. And we're trying to use them unlike our normal kind of character which is to just not use socials we're trying to use them because people like socials and we like people so our twitter handle is ldl pod so ldl as in the acronym for long distance listening check it out there you're gonna find polls there for our spammer jam you're gonna find options for uh for top three you're gonna be able to tweet us about your album ratings just all our twitter communication goes through our LDL pod account. Definitely check that out. Give us a follow and just be a part of our community there. Also, you can follow us on Instagram. That's also LDL pod. Check us out there. That's where we post about new episodes, post pictures of Nate and I being weird and just anything to do with albums. So definitely check that out. Like, follow all that fun stuff and also for you old timers out there we have an email and so far we have had one emailer so no one uses email ever but you should thanks kobe yeah kobe this is your shout out uh we've needed (laughs) to shout you out for a while kobe is maybe besides our wives our most most avid listener and every time i see him he talks about the podcast a lot and uh and he is He's cool. So here is your plug, Kobe. But also, you guys should all email us because we love checking our email and seeing that it says one email. And (laughs) so far, we've done that only a few times. So, yeah. Yeah. A few times, meaning like when we like set up our Twitter and our Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But no, for real, email us because I think that's like a weirdly fun way to communicate in this day and age. So our email is long distance listening at gmail.com. So just the podcast name at gmail.com email us, send us funny memes and whatever. That would be fun. All right. That's the podcast. Thanks for checking out long distance listening. This podcast. Thanks for checking out Lainey. We hope that you guys have an awesome week and we will see you guys next podcast. Our next podcast, we will be listening to Phoenix by Pedro the Lion. Feel free to listen to that now. Get prepared. Get a few listens in before we air the next podcast. Nut squash. Should I wait a sec? We good? Oh no, she's here. She's gonna attack. Oh, she's she's pulling out a knife. She's charging me.
Hey, Tori. I want to say hi before we keep recording. <laughs>